I was in that movie Gremlins. I had, to, I had to sign one of those blackout agreements. They showed us one picture. You know, we weren't, we weren't allowed the script to have the script. Uh, and what, what pieces we were allowed to look at, we had to sign for. We had to sign, for, we had to sign just for the, for the sides. We weren't allowed to speak to the other actors. And we weren't allowed to see the other scenes that we weren't in. We weren't allowed to see certain things. So I got to be one of the stripes. You know, you know the one, the one that goes, Gizmo <laughs> Gata. <laughs> yeah, my favorite. What's up, Dueling Decades? This is Wax. Peace to all you guys, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Will it be the 90s or the 80s? Beanie Babies or Crack Babies? Will it be Nirvana or Madonna? Maybe Britney, maybe Whitney. Do you like new metal or new wave? Dave Grohl or Super Dave? I don't know, but now the battle begins. Dueling Decades. Let's see who wins. Dueling Decades. Broadcasting from the Podcast New York studios, it's the adult-only retro game show where the decades battle for supremacy because it's your history, we just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. I am Mark James, and this week I will be competing with June of 1974 alongside these men. First off, Dueling with June of 1984, say hello to Man Crush. <laughs> I'm so excited to have this episode. Finally, like it's been a couple weeks. Uh, a couple weeks back, we had RJ City on, and he practically begged us to come on this episode, but he had something else to come on. So who knows? He might show up. He's got the info if he does. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, battling with June of 84, and it was nice to have an entire month for once. I'll tell you that. Also joining us on the panel this week is the host of the Miscast Commentary Podcast, dueling with June of 1994. Please welcome back to the show, Joe Finley. Hey, everybody. I am thrilled to be here as always, and I am just so down with dipping our toes into the past for a little while and staying and getting out of the present for a few minutes. And as always here on the show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So this week's celebrity guest judge is the actor and comedian you know and love from films such as Police Academy, Spaceballs, and Gremlins. He is also one of the founders of beatboxing. Please rise for Judge Michael Winslow. Let's play. Let's play. <laughs> What's up? What's up? <laughs> and for everybody at home. Michael Winslow has the biggest microphone I've ever yeah, seen. They've got balls coming in here. <laughs> <laughs> He's fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judges coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And the winning decade shall be decided by the highest overall score after all five rounds. Regulators, mount up. It's time to play more. Dueling Decades. Let's play. <laughs> All right, let's go right down to our special guest judge, Michael Winslow, for the coin toss for this game. Man Crush and Joe Finley, you guys are going to toss for this one. Uh, Joe, why don't you call it in the air? All right. I'm assuming it's in the air. I'm calling heads. 
The answer is heads. heads. Yes. <laughs> All right. The system is perfect. It's never going to be able to be top. Nobody's ever going to be able to top a coin flip. No. When, when next next time, get Gilbert Godfrey to help you throw the stupid coin. <laughs> All right, Joe, you won the coin toss. You take control of the board. What category are we going with first? Oh, um. Oh, we're adding some pressure here. I, th- I, I didn't think that was actually going to work, and it worked really well. Can we get a Jeopardy? Uh, <laughs> can we get him on? The- <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm writing down my my question. Uh, I'm going to go with hot products, Alex. <laughs> oh, Alex. <laughs> All right. Nostalgia did not start with this uh, wonderful show uh in 1994 june 14th of 1994 our good friends over at game boy decided to dip into the nostalgia pool a little when they released donkey kong 94 just renamed donkey kong for the game boy the game features some of the classic levels from uh the original game as well as some new puzzles new uh level environments uh different Goals, including a battle level where you could either use the uh, barrels against Donkey Kong to take him out or still try to just rescue Pauline. This game came out just shortly before uh, Donkey Kong Country as a lead-in, which each game helped each other. Uh, The game sold more than 3 million copies uh, during its release, and it actually received an 85% on game rankings, the, uh, the aggregator. It was number 67 on Electronic Gaming Monthly's 100 Best Video Games of All Time in 1997. Uh, It was also named uh, Game Boy's Game of the Year for 94. And yeah, a big deal for a game that was uh, in part a remake, but mostly uh, a brand new challenge and a lot of fun and a gigantic seller for Nintendo and Game Boy. So that is Donkey Kong for the Game Boy 1994. Nice. Man, that's late for Game Boy. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. There were still Nintendo games selling. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Nintendo sold forever. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like anyway. All right, Man Crush, what do you have for Hot Products? Let's go to the 80s. Uh, June 8th, 1984. This product, the whole line, it comes from the first movie that I ever went to the theater to see. And isn't it, it's like amazing how you can recall things from 1984, but I can't remember what I had for dinner last night. <laughs> and But, I, you know, I still remember like everything about the theater that day. And it's wild. At the age of 42, I still remember almost everything about going to the movies that day. I saw a bunch of movies at the old Middletown Cinema, and I pass it all the time. Now it's a Golden Corral. And every time I pass, I reminisce about the day that I went to see this movie, the burgundy carpets that are in this place. It smelled of old popcorn in the lobby. But anyhow, the movie itself was a pop culture phenomenon. It went on to take $148 million at the box office which is around $380 million in 2020. And it even featured Mr. Michael Winslow, as Mark mentioned before, as the voice of these popular creatures. But a little story behind this. So much like Steven Spielberg's E.T., they applied like the same blueprint to this classic and they went all in on the merchandise. And let's face it, like who wouldn't want their own cute little mogwai that you didn't have to abide by all the rules? And I posted the commercial for this little figure, kind of like this guy right here. (laughs) to our Facebook page this afternoon. It already has 10,000 plays from five o'clock. So people are really fond of this. People even shared some pictures of their old gizmos that they still have. But until this movie was released on June 8th, 
the studio put out an absolute blackout on all picture likenesses of Gizmo. Uh, after E.T. and the Ewoks, you know, the studio, they knew exactly how to build this market and keep it from getting stale. And they didn't want to flood the market before the movie was released. So just a couple images were leaked out of Gizmo and it went viral in a day before the Internet. I mean, just think about how hard that was in 1984 to just release one photo and then pre-release to this movie. You already had Gremlins knockoffs, which I'm sure I had because my parents didn't buy me the Gremlins doll. But you can go to the store and get like T-shirts, pajamas, shoes, books, anything else. But once the movie was released on June the 8th, they put out the Gizmo plushie. And that's what my hot product is. And the stores just could not keep these things on the shelf. I found ads where like movie theaters were raffling off one gizmo. If you went to go see the movie, they had one that they would give to one lucky kid in the audience. But for $11.99 or about $30 in 2020, you can get your very own eight and a half inch gizmo. And that is if you could find one. And then they also became like a huge Christmas gift in 84 is one of the best sellers for Christmas time. So I bring you the Gizmo plushie wow. from June 8th, 1984. Wow. One of my favorite parts about that was the packaging. Wasn't that the one that came in the box with the holes in it and stuff, mm. but it was, it was a cardboard yep. box, like a shoe box, but they made it look like the actual, like a crate. The one I had, I found on the, like we were at the mall and it was in the parking lot. Somebody had dropped it in the parking lot. It was dirty. <laughs> That's the one I had. <laughs> My mom was like, oh, just throw it in the washing machine. It'd be fine. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure it like talked and it was bendable or something. Mom, but... don't get it wet. <laughs> <laughs> you could have made the multiply and then sold them off, made a fortune. Yeah. God, I wish I thought of that back then. <laughs> All right. So what do you got, Mark, for 1994 or 1974? My bad. All right. Well. You had a product that was kind of embargoed and they held back until the release. My hut product had the same thing happen to it, except mine's not a cute, fuzzy little creature. It's actually a book. June 15th, 1974, we had the release from Simon and Schuster of All the President's Men, the, the book written by Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward that uncovered the Watergate investigation. This book was remarkable and groundbreaking. Not only did it give you the insight of what happened with Watergate, but it also gave you the insights of how journalism really works and how they collected their sources. And for over 30 years, the identity of Deep Throat was kept a secret. So I went and found an article here from the Boston Globe, June 16th, 1974. And the opening headliner for this was is just chilling, and I thought I'd read it. It will be difficult to understand decades from now. When the word Watergate is mentioned, how much immense consequence could stem from uncovering such a simple wrongful act? And then it goes into recounting the book. That is from June 16th, 1974. Uh, this book flew off the shelves. By the end of the month, it was number one on the bestsellers list. And of course, Robert Redford uh, made the movie shortly thereafter. Matter of fact, Robert Redford was in talks with Woodward and Bernstein who weren't sure if they were actually going to write a book. Robert Redford said to them, if you write the book, I'm going to make the movie. It was kind of a deal together. So that's what I bring for my hot product, All the President's Men. So let's go down to our guest judge, Michael Winslow, for the ruling. Very difficult choice. You know why? Because each one of these is excellent. Each one of these choices. Good. Um, <laughs> well, 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 the thing is, All the President's Men is what you call a historical. It's almost, it's a, it, it, the book itself is a historical document. Yeah. 
So that gives it so much reach. I enjoyed I, I enjoyed uh, Donkey Kong. You know why? Because I had to learn how to make that noise. You know. <laughs> so you remember that 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 that, that had an effect. Donkey Kong had an effect, and so did Space Invaders. You know. <laughs> I was there, baby. <laughs> oh my God! It sounds like you're in the game. Exactly. Well, I'm doing video game noises now. I that's what I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the the odd thing about uh that certain movie that 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 did so well with that plush toy, uh, I was in that movie Gremlins, and I had to sign one of those forms. Really, one of those, one of those non-disclosure the blackouts. I had to, I had to sign one of those blackout agreements. I had to sign one. Wow. Uh, I had to sign one. Every everybody that I you know we weren't allowed to to speak to each other. Uh, they showed us one picture. And and we had to, we had to agree, you know, not to, you know, we weren't we weren't allowed the script to have the script, uh, and what pe- what pieces we were allowed to look at, we had to sign for, we had to sign for, we had to sign just for the for the sides. Wow, wow. That's how serious they were, because Mr. Spielberg, he did not want people ripping him off because people were ripping him off because after he had made the movies that he had made uh, to that point, people were ripping. Off. He had had enough. There were so many knockoffs. I mean, once once Gremlins came out, I mean, you know, before that there was Space Invaders, there was. There was batteries not included, and then you know there were so many different knockoffs of things that really annoyed people, you know. Yeah. And so he he said enough. So I had to sign for it. We weren't allowed to speak to the other actors, and we weren't allowed to see the other scenes that we weren't in. We weren't allowed to see certain things. So I got to be one of the stripes, you know. You know the one the one that goes. Mm, kiss me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite. Yeah. Because there, there was a bunch of there were a bunch of, uh, of actors. Howie Mandel was was Gizmo Mogwai. Right. I think Mr. Welker had one of the main gremlins, and I was one of the other ones. I was the one. I had two mm-hmm. lines. The one was Gizmo Kaka, and the other one was outside of uh, the real estate. The, the remember it, it was this took place, this is actually a Christmas movie when you think about oh, it. Oh, yep. totally. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. so it, it's it, it it has just the same right as Die Hard to be a Christmas movie. Yes. So mm-hmm. absolutely. W- the other line for me was. So, so I got a couple of lines out of it. Yo, give me goosebumps <laughs> just hearing that. So a lot of people didn't want, you know, didn't want to look under their beds, and they hated me for it. Which wasn't I didn't write it. You know, <laughs> Joe Dante wrote that. Don't me go get on my, don't get on my, on my case about it. But it was true. It scared people. So did you get to see the character before you did the voice or they yeah. just said like it, they showed us make a, a voice. They showed us a line drawing and we had to forget that we saw it. Wow. Oh man. I mean no, they were quite serious because he was right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we weren't even allowed to know who else was in it. That is wild. So I, I gotta choose. And this is these are very, 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 very tough choices. Um I, I'm trying to figure out if I should disqualify myself because I was in Gremlins. You know, no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Well, um, I'm I'm stuck I'm stuck between all the president's men because I saw the movie with uh, with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Oh wow! Yes, because because one of the lines was whenever whenever the editor would get mad at him, he'd say Weinstein. Because <laughs> <laughs> because he he, he, so, he he just didn't want to say both their names, so the editor would always go, "Damn it, Weinstein, get in here!" Yep. So <laughs> so they had to. Come <laughs> well, makes it easy. I'm, I'm trying not to be partial, but 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 the but in terms of the. Um, well, Gremlin, the Gremlins thing was was so well was so well described. I have to say, but I have to go with the uh, um, because of what's happening in our world right now. I have to go with the uh, all the presidents men. That that was that was a a historical 
if uh, document and an historical uh, event that is still affecting us now. In fact, right. it's even more so because got now, legs. Because now it it, it it it's got legs again. It's been given a new set of tires, yeah, and now yeah. it it's it's being it's being it's being driven around. You know, the the the, the gate portion of it has been applied to other things in society and, and other other scandals. So that everything else has a gate to it. Besides Christina Applegate, <laughs> Christina Applegate, and, you know. Yeah. So every, everybody's got a gate to it, you know. Yeah, the book actually showed back up on the bestsellers list like last year again. Like Ethel, like Ethel Merman said, everything old oh, is new, new again. again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I pick up a point for that one. So I get to choose the next category. You know what, gentlemen? I think we're going to head over to the TV round. Ooh. All right. So for my television selection, uh, I found a newspaper article in the Charlotte Observer, June 2nd, 1974. And, uh, you know, in June, you get a lot of summer reruns. All of the shows are, are being rerun. So there's not a lot of debuts. But the TV industry is a buzz nonetheless with some groundbreaking news. <laughs> groundbreaking news <laughs> for at least the last two two seasons people have been wondering where the first spinoff from the mary tyler moore show would come and on june 2nd 1974 they announced that it would be rhoda who would be moving and not only she would be moving to a new show she'd be moving to a new city as well this article that's in the newspaper written by lawrence learn it was a little hesitant, though. He's not too sure how the uh, spinoff will succeed. Uh, he writes in here that the show was sold without a pilot, and uh, he seems a little too skeptical that now that Rhoda's going to be moving, she's gonna, she finds a man who has a son, and they're totally changing the character of Rhoda. And uh, he isn't too thrilled about it. He ends the article by saying, Rhoda, well, it shouldn't be miserable this year. Rhoda would go on to win two Primetime Emmy Awards and two Golden Globes and be most one, of, one of the most loved TV shows of all time. That's what I got for my television round. Joe Finley, let's go over to you. All right. I'd like to take you to Orlando, Florida, to Disney's MGM Studios on June 11th, 1994, on an episode of WCW's Saturday Night. And that was the day when an episode began with a parade when Hulk Hogan was making his very first appearance on WCW television, being led in a parade, he was in a he was in a red and yellow Corvette being led through the quote unquote streets of MGM Studios. Hey, brother! <laughs> it's cool, brother. I'm gonna rip your neck off, brother. <laughs> and he had uh, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, in tow with him. It led them up to the stage where he signed a contract uh, on this large stage and he did an interview with Mean Gene Okerlund and you got to the, hear the, let me tell you something, Mean Gene, for the first time in a long time. This led to a match that followed the next month where he actually won the world championship off of Ric Flair, his very first match, and then kept it for a record for the WCW, 469 days. Uh, he certainly wasn't the first wrestler that uh, WCW scooped up from the WWF, uh, but he was certainly the biggest. His time there, he received six championships and also became the leader of what was called the NWO during what was the infamous Monday Night Wars. So the signing of Hulk Hogan into the WCW, a major leap in pro wrestling, probably one of the big, sh one of the big 
uh, personnel shifts of all time in the company. In a couple of years. Was that? Because it didn't happen like right away. Like in the beginning, it was kind of lame. Yeah. Like he left Thunder in Paradise and then they just. But it was just it was just the news itself of Hulk Hogan. Like he he let his contract expire and then a year goes yes, by yes. and then all of a sudden he just appears. You're forgetting the important thing. He came into WCW and he vanquished the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> important. That was big, man. That was big as hell. <laughs> Remember, he remember he also turned down the Foreman Grill because he was so big. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. true. Well, I'm sure he kicks himself for that all the time. Uh, yeah, I always do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Man Crush, what do you have? All right, so let's go to June 4th, 1984. It's not too often in the 80s that we get a successful show from another country that gets ported over to the U.S. and we actually like it. Uh, it's it's one of those rare occasions outside of anime. We get like a popular cartoon that was created elsewhere and we like it. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. But this show, it debuted on the BBC in 1981, but it began syndication for Nickelodeon on June 4th, 1984. And this is where it kind of took off, at least stateside. Uh, but like I mentioned before on the show, I've never really watched many cartoons as a kid because I was already watching adult movies as an, at an early age. Because my parents just didn't care, but the adult <laughs> humor on this show, it it like it made it stand out for me. So I totally remember watching this. On, it was on Nickelodeon like all the time. And let's face it, no one does spy fiction like the Brits. You know, like we had they gave us Paddington Bear, but he's got nothing on this rodent. So this is what we got here. <laughs> this show it would end up running all the way up to 1992. It included ten seasons in total. And then with its popularity soaring from coming to the United States in 1984, they released two video games for it in 1984, then another one in 1985. And the cartoon, it's kind of like a, and a cartoon equivalent of James Bond, or better yet, the, uh, the British show that it parodied, Danger Man. And uh, even the monster media that is Channel 4 in the UK has said this show is rated the third greatest kids show ever on television. At least that's coming from Channel 4. Uh, the show came back in 2015. It's been playing on CBBC ever since. So we got legs here for a cartoon. It's the classic cartoon series, Danger Mouse. Yeah, he's got four of them, technically. <laughs> I guess. He never stands on all, on the other two. Though. I got to take a drink every time something's got legs on this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today there might be a lot of legs. <laughs> all right, let's toss it right down to our celebrity guest judge, Michael Winslow, for the ruling on the television round. When I think about these TV shows, because I grew up watching all of them, I watched a lot of Danger Mouse, a lot. But I watched great. Mighty Mouse also. Yep. <laughs> um, I got to work with some wrestlers, so I, I got I got to say I had a good time with the with the entire wrestling wrestling universe because I got to work with uh, Randall Tex Cobb. Oh wow. Um, okay. Randall Tex and I made this really 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 horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> this movie wasn't released; it escaped. All right. <laughs> Wait, what's the name of this one? Buy and sell. It was uh, me, Randall Tex Cobb, Ben Vereen, Rowdy, Rowdy Roddy Piper, my other buddy, Rowdy Rowdy Roddy Piper, uh, 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 Emma Jean Coca, um, a lot of folks. It was called Buy and Sell, and Malcolm McDowell wow, as, as, nice. as, as as our nemesis. Wow. It was a prison movie called Buy and Sell. And nice. and also for the comedy relief because they had to have two of us. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. Fred Travelina. 
<laughs> wow. As, as his name was VCR. He was always rewinding stuff and, and just going nuts. So <laughs> you, you can catch it on YouTube. It's free. <laughs> All right, good. It's bad, man. It's oh wow. Some of those are the best movies to watch, though, especially if oh, you've never seen it. Yeah. Get a couple people oh, together and you watch a movie that you've never seen or rented. You'll, you'll have fun with this because 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 Rowdy Rowdy Piper, he's you know he's he's great. Cowboy is his name in the oh, movie, and and Ben and Ben Vereen was being very very Broadway, very very Broadway esque with his. There was a lot going on. And Malcolm McDowell was, was being his clockwork orange self, you know, nice. so it was nuts. And Lise Cutter, um, one of her first movies. So there was a lot going on. What was Roddy like to work with? Was he as like crazy as he was on television or? <laughs> yeah, because he and Tex would, 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 would sit together. Uh, and and we, we shot this in Rome at the De Laurentiis studio. So they built an entire prison from scratch because they could. Okay, okay. Yeah. Swing of the hammer, do it again. So... <laughs> It was it was on, man. It was great because uh, we, we spent all of our time, you know, because they, they really took care of us. So Rowdy and, and, and Tex would always sit, you know, they would eat four meals a day. But it was always like this. OK, senor, why? What can we gather for you? OK, uh, this is what I need right here, badass. Um, I need two steaks, uh, 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 two, two full chickens and, uh, and, 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 and a full plate of the pasta. And, 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 you know, and, 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 and like uh, four, 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 uh, four containers of, of iced tea. What do you want, Rowdy? <laughs> oh, the same. I'll, I'll have three chickens, um, uh, two plates of pasta, and, and one really, really big salad. Because then they would go train and just beat the snot out of each other. Oh, man. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. What year, wow. What year was it? What year did you say that was? What, 86? 86, 7. 86, 87. Okay. Man, so that that's when Roddy was actually pretty big, too. Yeah. Yeah, man. There was a lot going on. So so I had an experience with a lot of this. Um but uh, to be honest with you, I, 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 that was the biggest, you know, I, I, as much as I love Danger Mouse and, and don't forget, uh, uh, I, I got a chance to meet the other Danger Mouse, the one, the one that produced uh, 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 the Black Album, that, the bootleg Black Album, and he ended up yep. producing everybody. And remember, Gnarls Barkley. Oh, yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. Produced by Danger Mouse. Oh. The other shit. Danger mouse so um i gotta uh, you know what in in, in terms in terms of uh, how big it was i gotta go with wrestling because it, it's still live baby yeah um I, I i mean i mean i i don't, I don't mean to the, you know, to delineate anybody else's choices but i gotta say uh, wrestling is still going on oh yeah and don't you and never tell a wrestler that it's fake <laughs> No, no. no. <laughs> You'll get slapped. we had this conversation a couple weeks back when rj city was on and he was much more cavalier about the whole thing where he's just kind of like it is what it is like yeah the kayfabe is and they still get hurt they still get injured they still have issues i mean it's 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 like playing you know pro ball man i don't care what kind of pro ball it is pro is pro right you still get hurt you still get injuries you still get hurt especially that time period in the 80s you know you had like the whole john stossel thing and you had yeah you know like if you told those guys it was fake Oh, oh you're no. getting beat up. Oh, I remember, you know, remember, remember the Richard Belzer thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he had to get stitches in his head and got choked yeah. out. That was a what was the name of that that show? I think it was just his show. Was it like yeah. the Richard Belzer show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I remember uh, there was there was a few there's a few TV shows in New York in, in New York, you know, that that, that that were really synonymous to the area. And I remember seeing him on a lot of those shows, but I remember when that happened. And he woke up. He just suddenly woke up. He didn't know what he didn't he said he didn't know how much time had elapsed. Yeah. 
everybody was still standing there. She said, it must be okay. All right, we'll be back. <laughs> yeah, just, there's like blood dripping from yeah. the back of his head. But he said, we'll be back because he woke up and he said, okay, well, I can handle this. I'll, 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 you know what? I'll, I'll shut this down now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And he did. And then he bought a chateau on uh, Vince's dime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That was different, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. He, it worked out for him, I guess. A couple stitches. Got yeah. a chateau, but at the, at the same at the same time, he you know he he became he became an overnight hero for that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Except for his show, his show yeah. didn't last. No, long. no, it didn't. <laughs> it, it, it didn't. But he ended up getting Law and Order. So, yo, yeah. And yeah. He, is he still on that? Uh, with Ice T, yo, man. <laughs> That's SVU has been on forever. I know that man. It's Ice T. It ain't lemonade. All right, just be cool. All right. Where's Coke? Where's Coco? Coco. <laughs> Damn, Coco. Bring me a latte, Coco. <laughs> All right, Joe Finley, you picked up a point in that round, and you tie the game up with me. You take control of the board. What category would you like to go with next? All right. I think we should go, and we should all just uh, have a little song together, and let's go into music for round three. Uh, I'm going to take you to June 27th of 1994. Uh, it's a single released by the venerable rock combo Aerosmith. And the single was called Head First. It was actually an unused track from their album Get a Grip. Uh, it was from those sessions. Now, it doesn't seem like a huge deal. The uh, track itself isn't one of their big hits or something like that. But here is the rub, my friends. This single was not released in stores, and it was only released for one single week, and it was the first ever studio-released single released on the internet. Uh, Geffen Records did a, a little PR stunt, and uh, anybody who was a CompuServe uh, subscriber, I'm going to say a lot of things that uh, anybody who's under 30, they're going to be scratching their heads for a couple what? minutes, but... Dude. What's CompuServe? What's CompuServe, dude? <laughs> dude, CompuServe. Oh, MySpace. Oh. <laughs> AOL, dude. <laughs> 28, 28.8, dude. In fact, that's one of the first noises I learned how to do, man. <laughs> do it. I missed this handshake. Well, first there's rotary dial. <laughs> It kind of went out. It went out like halfway through. That's uh, exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah, that's, that's how the <laughs> that's somebody works. called while you had your double lines. <laughs> that's when you scream, Mom, get off the phone. <laughs> oh, amazing. 28 8, baby. Wow. That, that sounded like you connected at 1200 baud. That sounded like you stopped. <laughs> oh, my God. What's a baud? <laughs> You mean, like my, are you looking at me? What? My bod? No, no, B-A-U-D. I think I know him. <laughs> yeah, man, bod. <laughs> CompuServe, I remember CompuServe, man. Uh, whatever happened to them? They went out. Yeah, I hopefully it wasn't Aerosmith's fault or I'm going to lose this round. But uh, <laughs> it was... Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so anyways, if you were a CompuServe su a subscriber, you had access to this episode for one week starting on June 27th. It took subscribers 60 to 90 minutes to download the 4.3 megabyte <laughs> uh, three minute, 14 second wave file after typing the command go Aerosmith into its command thing. Oh, so yeah, so go to bed and wake up the next morning and go to bed with exactly. Johnny, go to bed with Johnny Carson, wake up with Aerosmith. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. If nobody called your phone line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and Aerosmith's frontman Steven Tyler was quoted as saying, if our fans are out there driving down that information superhighway, then we want to be playing at the truck stop. This is the future, so let's get going. So wow. we celebrate the first ever studio song released on the internet, Aerosmith's Head First. It's pretty good. I got a good CompuServe story. This is like probably about 90, 91. My cousin came over from Germany and we showed him the internet. Well, at the time, like, oh, we're going to take you on CompuServe. He immediately wanted to see the America's Most Wanted. Wow. We go to this list and we get the one, the guy who's number one, and it says print photo. And I had an Oki Data, like, <laughs> dot matrix printer. <laughs> Oki Data. And we set it to print. It took, like, two hours. It was just going. <laughs> and it, like, when it was done, you couldn't even make out who the hell the guy was. But he took it home with him. He, he really enjoyed it. You that. can tell. You got to stand really far away. <laughs> yeah. uh, dot, dot matrix man and then it and then you had a paper jam and the whole thing got just yeah, oh yeah. god i hate it I, oh oh oh, oh, the, oh, the, oh the, the little tear side the little, yep. little, yeah yeah the worst i used to have my level out to make sure that it wasn't like slowly like careening to the left <laughs> all right man crush what do you have for the music round all right so let's go to uh june 25th 1984 this album was this artist's sixth studio album, and it was also a soundtrack at the same time. And even as a soundtrack, this album became this artist's first ever album to reach number one on the Billboard 200, and it stayed there for 24 consecutive weeks. Only seven other albums share the distinction of being on top of the Billboard 200 for that long. And matter of fact, the top one was West Side Story was on top for 54 weeks. Just throw that out there. You can tell people at the bar. <laughs> Be a jet. Be a jet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm a Jets fan, so be a shark. <laughs> when you're a jet, you're a jet for life. When you're a jet, you're not a redskin that's hype. I tell this album's better though. I'll tell you that right now. Not only did this guy make this album, he also starred in the movie that came out the next month and that pulled in $68 million at the box office. So if you're looking for pop culture, like impact, it goes beyond just this album. This album featured five singles, one number one hit on the billboard hot 100. The three others, they found their ways in, in the top 10. One didn't make it, but of the singles, this is what we have. Take me with you. When Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, oh. I Would Die For You, and the album's namesake, Purple Rain. And let me ask you guys a question. Out of all those, what's the number one hit? Jeez. That, that's really tough. I want to say When Doves yeah. Cry, but I know that's not right. I just know in my heart that's not right. I'm going to say Let's Go Crazy just because of the guitar solo. What do you think, Michael? Well, it's between Purple Rain or a Little Red Corvette or something. Um, See, I, I was in the same boat until i went to i went to paisley park last summer oh and and they tell you during the tour that actually the number one hit mark was right it was let's go crazy right i thought it was purple rain but purple rain only made it to number two because wham oh, held geez. on to number one and they couldn't be michael really Wow. Yeah, when, wake me up before you go. You hear the place called Life. Electric Word Life. 
you know, I gotta tell you, man. I w- I wish I could have met Prince, man. Oh man. Because you know what I would have done? I would have taken him for a snack to see what kind of stuff he liked. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to Paisley Park? No, I want to go so bad. Oh man, it's so awesome. Well, this is for the folks at Paisley Park. <laughs> If you will, the picture. If you're eating a Hershey's kiss, this is what it sounds like when you deep fry. <laughs> this is feeling oh less like a podcast and more like a make a wish for me. <laughs> That's so awesome. Wow. Just to fin- just to wrap up on this one, the uh, the album actually did end up winning two Grammy Awards. They got Best Rock Performance and Best Soundtrack Score. They were nominated for Album of the Year. They didn't get it. Uh, just like a couple weeks back when I had Sting or uh, the police, Rolling Stone would actually put this one as number two on uh, albums wow. of the 80s. It came in at number two. And of their top 500 ever, it came in at number 76. Wow. Won an Academy Award for that, too. So well, what he made, what, what, what he lost in a Grammy, he made up for in the Academies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's got everything here. And, and he showed course- up. He showed up. For, he showed up for that for the Academy Awards. Right. He showed up and, and he actually took his glove off. <laughs> you know what I never realized about him, though? How short he was. I never knew how small he was till I went to Paisley Park and saw his like clothes. Yeah, he's like 5'3 or something, right? He was a tiny guy. Yeah. No, he's, he's still taller than Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember... I remember that movie. The uh, the album is uh, Prince and the Revolution, Purple Rain. For anybody that didn't put all that together, that's yes. where we got it. And that's 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 where Wendy and Lisa came from. That's right. And, uh, and, and Apollonia so and 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 Apollonia, and, yep. And, and Sheila E. and Vanity and wow, there are a lot of girls, a lot of great, a lot of great performers. Yeah, actually, the first single that "Take Me With You" was written for Apollonia, mm. and they, yeah. he didn't end up using it with them, and he just took it and released it. One of the best songs that he wrote that wasn't even for him, he wrote it for um, um, the young lady out of Ireland. Nothing compares. Nothing oh, compares yeah. to you. Yeah, that was a cover. Great song. Yeah. You, you know what's a great song, a great version of that? It's Chris Cornell doing it. And yes. It's sad. Oh, yeah. Listen to it. Oof. Uh, very self-serving fact, Vanity and Joe Finley, born in the same hospital. Really? Oh. <laughs> yes. Really? Same doctor? Maybe. Who knows? We were both born in Ni- Niagara Falls, Ontario. Ow! Doctor! <laughs> Ow! Doctor! <laughs> my doctor was not. There were my mom's doctor was not that interesting. Sexy dancer! <laughs> wow, man. All three of these stories brings back great memories. All three. I got, I got to say. Now, I'm, I, I, have to, I have to make one mention about the Aerosmith thing. Uh, that uh, that act w- was was attempted again with 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 uh, very very mixed results when you two put their album on everybody's <sighs> iTunes. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. Without people's permission, and people got really mad when everybody had an iPod. Yeah. Yes, I. Yeah. I I, I remember with, I I remember the day that happened. It, it wasn't it wasn't a, 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 you know we did the best we could with it you know. <laughs> <laughs> I I, 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 I tried to make sure that everyone got 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 to cover the song, you know, but it just quite didn't work out the way it is. <laughs> hey, so anyway, if those of you there in Ireland, hello, what's the crack? That means what's up. <laughs> oh. In other words, what's what's cracking? Is that's that's the phrase. <laughs> Shortened. Yeah, that, that, exactly. Everything everything yeah. is everything is uh, is is rhymes like um um. See, cabbage and potatoes is called bubble and squeak. 
It doesn't sound good at all. It doesn't sound appetizing. I wouldn't want that. So it wasn't appetizing. <laughs> but you ain't tasted the squeak yet. Come on, man. <laughs> you might get something totally different if you said that here. <laughs> Bubbler. Actually, actually, I ain't been to the strip club in a long time. I don't know what bubbling squeak is. <laughs> I bet you they were. I bet you. I bet you they got on plastic too. I bet you they got on protectors and everything. Butt guards and everything is probably going on right now. <laughs> there are a couple of Coco's friends. I hope so. Hey man. Hey man. Don't be making jokes about Coco, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for my music selection, I have an album here that this album was recorded at Headley Grange and was the first um. album released on Led Zeppelin's Swan Song Records. The album reached the top of the Billboard 200 and was certified five times platinum, becoming the 46th best-selling album of the 1970s. Kerrang! magazine listed this album at number 40 among the 100 greatest heavy metal albums of all times. The singles Can't Get Enough, Moving On, and the namesake for the band and the album Bad Company was released June 26, 1974. A little interesting tidbit about uh, this is uh, Bad Company, in their second album, would go on and have a song called Feel Like Making Love. Well, in 1974, at the same time Bad Company was releasing their debut album, Roberta Flack released a song called Feel Like Making Love. That's the time I feel like making love to you, oh, baby. <laughs> It's like she's here. <laughs> in the park. I just want to be with you. Yeah, I remember that. I remember both songs. Not the same song. Totally different songs. And yeah. oddly enough, for an album that was one of the greatest heavy metal albums of all time, they say, Can't Get Enough is one of the most danceable songs everywhere. If you grew up in the 70s or 80s and you went to a dance or a wedding, that song was played guaranteed. Uh, feel like making love. <laughs> I'm making love to you. <laughs> baby, baby. Gotta think about you. Yeah, great song, man. So that's my pick. The super group Bad Company with their debut album, Bad Company. Wow. So let's throw it down to our judge, Michael Winslow, for the judgment on the music round. <laughs> You know what? Shout out to uh, shout out to Brian uh, who just passed away from Bad Company. The lead singer just yeah. passed away, and and hey man, um, he had some. St I really think he was most underrated. The most under one of the, one of the most underrated folks. Brian was one of the most underrated folks. A Bad Company was a great band. They should they should have had the um, the same accolades that, that like Boston had. You know because yeah. Stoltz Stoltz For by sure. himself did that record with a couple of buddies to help him out. But you know. Bad Company was 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 heading towards Boston territory with, with, with those songs, man. Um, yeah. Wow, that's a lot. Choice wise, I I I I have to go with uh with the effect that it's still having on everyone. Prince. Now now, now Bad so Company is, is is a great second, and and as a matter of fact, they're going to continue to continue to develop and evolve. You know, now that now that people are paying attention to Bad Company's music, now they'll start to get the attention that they should have gotten when Brian was alive. Right. Yeah. They'll, they'll they'll get there because remember uh um. People are still finding out new things about Prince, and they're finding out new things about about Bad Company, and a lot of folks, you know, because now they have what you call reaction videos. Now, people are people are watching them. Folks that had never, folks that had never even even heard Boston before are freaking out. Like the, 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 those two guys, Lost in Vegas, great, and Jamal, aka Jamal, listening listening yep. to listening to um, Freddie Mercury for the first time. Good stuff. Could you imagine being introduced to that now? Can you imagine? Now, finally, yeah. right? And the other reaction video is, uh, uh, I saw a young lady, her name is V, on YouTube, V Reacts. 
she watched uh, with George Carlin for the first time. College-age young lady. Had never seen it. Ooh, how'd that go? Wow. Offended or funny? No, she was laughing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she was like, seriously, like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. And she said, I love this guy. So she, so she decided to, do, to review every single George Carlin video she saw. I mean, I mean, there's like 20 of them, and she just she she had to watch them all because that's what that's what the effect has, especially when it comes to music. Um, that that was it just makes you watch. Um, same, same thing happened with Abbott and Costello. The college kids love Who's on First. Right. Yeah. Yep. But the big thing now, reaction videos to to Bad Company, reaction videos to Prince. <laughs> yeah. That that's yeah, the biggest thing. How now. do you not hear like we had this conversation like a year or two ago? It's one of those things like I felt like when I was a kid, I woke up one day and I knew who Bruce Lee was. Oh, yeah. As like a one year old, you know, but I don't know where I found that. Like, how do people nowadays with the Internet and everything else not know who Prince is? Because they have to practice their Kung Fu. (laughs) (laughs) I just posted that picture of you to our Facebook right before we came on. <laughs> and, and and you know you know people are uh, I I just saw what that uh, AKA Jamal and this there's two heavy metal guys that listen to Boston for the first time they couldn't believe it. Yeah, I watched a reaction video the other day and it was a guy for the very first time hearing Eddie Van Halen and then he did one with the Allman Brothers and just seeing their mind explode halfway through explode. was just amazing. <laughs> yeah, it clean up. Yeah, I got to clean up the wall, man. Your your brain all over the all, all over the wall. <laughs> They couldn't, and, and and they heard. They also heard Steely Dan for the oh, first wow. time. Yeah. yeah, these guys did not know how to react. And Jamal had a great reaction. Uh, and and when he when they played Johnny Cash's "Hurt," oh. he was in tears. He had to stop the song. He had to stop that the song. song. Changed me. Yeah, yeah. It's, he, that's he, bad. he saw the video and he listened to it for the for the first time, and he was in tears. He had, he had to stop. He said, "I got to stop." Did you watch the stop. the actual video where he's got like the uh, black and whites of his wife and stuff in there? Whew, he he, so he, he was he was he was started to cry. Yeah, that's a tough and, one to get through. And so that's that should tell you what what the, what the power of music is, especially if, if if it has the intent of of, of reaching and, and and not hurting anybody. Oh yeah, for sure. So I got to go with Prince, man. Yeah, can't argue. All right, that. man, crush. That ties the game all up at one apiece. But we're heading into the two point rounds, and you have control of the board. What category are we going with? All right, let's go. Uh, let's go news so we can finish up with movies. I think it's only fitting that we do that. And let's go back once again to June 4th, 1984. It seems like a lot of stuff was going on that day. And the title of this article that I pulled out of the New York Times is Scientists Cloned Bits of Genes Taken from Extinct Animal. And let me read you a portion of this story so you know where we're going. I'm not a scientist, so I have to use what they tell me. Uh, It says uh, fragments of genes from an extinct animal, a relative of a zebra and a horse have been found and reproduced in a laboratory. Scientists of University of California at Berkeley reported yesterday. They said the gene fragments are the first to be extracted from any vanished animal species. The genetic material DNA was extracted from a scrap of dried muscle tissue found inside the skin of the animal called a quagga. The skin, preserved for 140 years, had been kept at the Mainz Museum of Natural History in West Germany. The species died out about a century ago. That being said, the revival of said species is remote. And I get into this quote right here where they say, the initial success reported today may open the way to recover intact genes from the muscle of frozen mammoths as well as the bones and teeth from other species that died millions of years ago. And that's an announcement from the university. 
They said, but to even contemplate such a feat, Dr. Alan Wilson, a leader of research, he said, even with living animals for which they know the genetic material is available and intact, the feat of making a new individually artificial like product from DNA is far from being present by their scientific capabilities. Now, this is 1984. So let me give you like an Unsolved Mysteries update. Michael, you're familiar with Unsolved Mysteries, right? Of course. All right. Can you give me an update when they give the update? Oh, you mean the, the, the TV show? Yeah. Uh, let's see. With, with Robert Stack. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> update. All right. So in 1996, just to like springboard off of what they did in 84, they successfully cloned the first mammal, which was Dolly the sheep. And then in 1999, the Chinese cloned a monkey, but it didn't make it. And this is where it's got legs to drink, Joe. In 2018, the Chinese produced two genetically identical monkeys that were healthy. So if you think about this scientific marvel that started in 1984, just imagine where this is going to take us in another 30 years. They went from like wow. finding the skin and doing this DNA and trying to bring it back to bringing something back. And now we got something living that's cloned. So just think how they can use that with like Alzheimer's or like whatever. So hopefully that's where this is going. Growing organs, uh, growing, growing a liver, growing someone a exactly. liver, growing an ear. Huge. So what was Huge. the name of the company that did that? It was what, InGen? No, this is uh, this was done at the <laughs> <laughs> this this particular story though was done at the University of California Berkeley. Oh, okay. It's not Sky, not Skynet. Not Skynet. <laughs> it was a joint cooperation between InGen and Skynet. And Skynet. <laughs> That's coming. Yeah, and, and and Snoop too. Yeah, man, it's a joint. It's a, it's a joint collaboration. <laughs> Shizzle. It's the second episode in a row that Snoop has come up. My for shizzle, my my Dionysle. <laughs> Snoop should just come up on every episode. What are you doing? Yeah, about? Animal Pleasant, yo. Y'all watch Snoop TV? It's it's funny <laughs> as hell, yo. All right, Joe Finley, what do you have? Okay, well, June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four, um, pretty big day in sports news. Uh, it was Game Five of the NBA Finals between the Houston Rockets and the New York Knicks, but that took a back seat when two people were sitting in a front seat. O.J. Simpson with Al Cowlings behind the wheel, driving on the five highway, being uh, in a low speed chase for a roughly sixty miles. Uh, the coverage was insane. Now, L.A. News, <laughs> LA News uh, has a habit of uh, capturing high-speed chases, uh, but this one captured everybody's imagination. Every single broadcast network broadcasted the entirety of the chase, including uh, CNN and Fox News took it. OJ, OJ, come over. OJ, don't go to Las Vegas. Don't go to Vegas. OJ. Let's rent a car. Don't jump over the suitcases. OJ. <laughs> yeah. And we were talking about the NBA Finals. The NBA Finals aired that night in split screen, being the smaller of the two mm. screens, while the main coverage was given to the OJ chase. In all, 95 million people saw this news footage. It is that is more viewers than the Cheers finale. Who won? Who won the game? Not the Knicks. <laughs> OJ. That's who yeah, won. OJ, OJ won that game. Um, but yeah, this this took over networks that didn't even have news 
uh, were breaking in. Uh, ESPN was breaking. If the in. basket don't fit, you must agree. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this was a gigantic thing. Uh, in a Nielsen survey, this footage, this coverage was ranked number six uh, in the most impactful televised moments of the last 50 years. This was just following. This was in uh, 2002 that this uh, took place. Uh, the verdict itself was actually number three as well. So, I mean, OJ had legs in this survey. <laughs> yes. Go, OJ, go! <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a gigantic thing that started the grand spectacle that was the OJ trial. And this was the beginning of it. 95 million people saw it and it interrupted an NBA final. Wow. Uh, and so it, and it, gave, it gave cable news, uh, the gasoline to do what they yep, doing yeah, now, 24 yep, hours a true. day. Cause, cause the CNN loved oh, yeah. it. Did you guys, yeah. did you ever see the, uh, the captain Jenks prank to Jennings where he's like, I see OJ. He looks scared. <laughs> <laughs> he turns around. He turns around. Oh, that's so wrong. He's like, well, what is he doing? I don't know. He's just got his head down. He looks scared. <laughs> he looks scared. <laughs> and then he's like, Baba Booey. Oh my God, Howard, man. Oh. So funny. You know, we 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 could have solved that whole problem. Just bring the dog in the courtroom. Oh my god. <laughs> bring in the dog. Let him go and see what happened. Problem solved. If it bites him, okay. <laughs> if it if it runs if it runs if it runs away and hides under the judge's robes, okay. <laughs> and if it, and if it just looks at him, eh, big deal. Oh, that's oh that's oh, that's that's the guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Too. It'll t tell us a lot. They never. They never. They never put that dog under oath. They should they have. <laughs> yeah. Do you swear? Do you promise? <laughs> <laughs> raise, raise your okay. right paw. <laughs> <laughs> sit, Ubu, sit. <laughs> hey, I remember, I remember Ubu sit. That was Bob Newhart, man. Yeah, yeah. Sit, Ubu sit. Good dog. Good dog. <laughs> With that paper just floating down. Yes, yes. yes. Oh yeah. MTM man, I, I, I miss those shows. Man. Hell yeah, I really do. That was when TV was real. All right, so for my news story, we're going to get over to Washington State on June 5th, 1974 in the Daily Chronicle, where we have a headline that reads, Seattle gets NFL franchise. 28th grid club opens in 76. Seattle got the 28th NFL franchise, carrying with it a healthy initiation tab of $10 million from the owners. In Tuesday, they also announced that Tampa, who was added in April. Both teams will start play in 76. So that's what I got from my news story. It's the birth of the Seattle Seahawks. Wow, the Hawks, man. The team would go on to win the Super Bowl in 2013, of course. But uh, yeah, the birth of an NFL <laughs> franchise. Yeah. The article goes on to talk about how they're not done with expansion. <laughs> Other cities such as Phoenix, Honolulu, and Memphis are still in the running. I can't imagine them putting an NFL team in Honolulu. Oh, my God. Especially then. But can you imagine the jet lag? The jet lag would kill you. Oh, I mean, they couldn't even get people off. to go watch the Pro Bowl game once a year there. I can't imagine oh. an entire season. That's the thing with those hot like the hot cities like Miami, L.A. It's hard to fill those stadiums because it's nice outside. Yeah. Why would you right. want to go watch football? Yeah, yeah go, go to the beach. Be a giant crowd of people. Yeah. Hey, we're in Green Bay. It's not snowing. Let's go outside. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's go freeze and watch football. It's like the complete opposite. Billy, bring the shovel. <laughs> All right, well, let's go over to Michael Winslow for the ruling for the news round. 
I'm going to have to go with the with 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 the split screen uh, basketball story. I have to have to go with it because because now there are repercussions of that going on now. Yeah. So it it it, it is again been given legs. It, it shouldn't have had legs, but it has legs again. And it's back again. But you know what? Uh, it 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 is it is so. I, I'm writing a song called "The '60s Came Back Again." Yes, yep. yeah, we were talking about this the other yep. night. It seems like we're at '68 right now, '69 maybe. Well, it's like it's got to be '69 because we just had the space shuttle launch. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. But then, if it's '69, yeah. that means the Jets and the Mets are going to win the World Series in the in the Super Bowl. I'll take it. And don't forget on TV. <laughs> Look here, big dummy. Look here, little Rallo. I'm a, look here, I hate you, Rallo. Hey, cut out, pop. Look here, Esther, you're so ugly. I can take your face, put in this bowl of batter, and make gorilla cookies. Fred Safford, you old buzzer. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. That, how do you get it so spot on with everything? Do you, like, practice all these, like, a lot or what? So I'm going to give you one of these across your lip. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> because cause, cause I had Red Fox records, man. But I did too. When, like when, I had like this stuff too. Yeah. I can't mimic anybody's voice to make it sound that good. <laughs> did, did did the record store give it to you in a paper bag? Uh no. <laughs> I was more of a cassette, I was cassette generation myself. So yeah. yeah, cassettes, man. In fact, I remember watching. I'm watching. I'm listening to George Carlin on cassettes. Yep, that's what I grew up with. Was uh, we were just getting out. My parents had like a bunch of eight tracks. We're getting out of the eight tracks. Into the cassette. Led Zeppelin was on eight tracks, yep. and yeah, Mott the Hopo and Jethro Tull, and yeah, they had like the yeah. Beatles yeah. on eight track, and like Elvis on eight track, and, and, and it was unheard of. And eight, and, eight, and 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 some the rich the rich kids had an eight track recorder. Oh yeah, we didn't have that. <laughs> the, the radio the radio stations had them because everything was on everything was eight tracks. Everything was eight tracks on the radio station. And then you have the old yeah. junkie eight track player, and the eight tracks start skipping, and you got to wedge like a little piece of paper yep. in there. That's how ours was. <laughs> yep. We had a piece of cardboard that we kept next to the eight track player that you had a jam on the top. <laughs> it, was, it was like the equivalent of putting the penny on top of your record player. Yes. Oh, hey, exactly. hey, 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 that's an old. And, and, and if you don't want to scratch, if you want to scratch your records, it was a dime. Yeah, that's too right. heavy. <laughs> don't you ruin my James Brown record? <laughs> oh, so pretty. Big payback. The big payback. <laughs> All right, Joe Finley. You picked up two points in that round, giving you a three-to-one lead and heading into the final movies round. All right. I think I might pick movies. <laughs> I, this keeps happening to me. I never get to choose the last one because I always win the second last one. All right. I want to talk about Disney for a little bit. Uh, they obviously a high standard of... Uh, animated movies over their lifetime and on june 15th 1994 that was no different and it was the release of the lion king i was a movie starring james earl jones matthew broderick jonathan taylor thomas nathan lane jeremy irons Whoopi goldberg cheech marin and rowan atkinson uh people like actually you mentioned frank welker earlier he was the voice of all the lion roars in that particular movie this was actually made by what was considered Disney's B team because they put all of their eggs in the basket that was Pocahontas and their top animators and all of that were working on that movie at the time. But this one was the one that ended up uh, clearly coming out on top. Uh, it was the highest grossing film in the world for the year. It was number two in the U.S. It was number two to Forrest Gump in the U.S., but was overall 
number one. Uh, it was the highest grossing animated film of all time until 2010 when Toy Story 3 took over that role. Uh, it totaled $763 million worldwide, and it is to this day the highest selling home video of all time as well with more than four, $520 million in sales. Uh, it won two Oscars, uh, nominated for three total, for uh, all for music, for uh, Best Original Song, Best Score, and won three Golden Globes. Uh, Elton John and Tim Royce, like like I said, won the uh, original song awards for Can You Feel the Love Tonight, but were also nominated for Hakuna Matata and The Circle of Life. Uh, they are only one of only four movies to ever have three songs nominated for Best Original Song. And yeah, The Lion King, I mean, still a classic to this day, playing in our house. Uh, it spawned multiple cartoons, uh, like animated series, uh, spawned a live-action remake only just recently. It is, again, it has so many legs. Just that wildebeest scene alone, like thousands of legs. <laughs> Don't forget the farting hedgehog. The farting hedgehog is good, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Man Crush, what do you have for the movies round? I could say to this day... I still have never seen The Lion King. Good for you. Keep it that way. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, with my parents letting me watch movies at, like, a, I was watching, like, Friday the 13th at, like, age seven. So yeah. I never got into the cartoons or anything like that. So it might be a fantastic movie. I just never got to see it. So maybe one day, even watching, like, with my daughter now when we watch cartoons, I just can't get into it. I don't know what it is. It's tough. Well, I'm sure there's a knock. I'm sure there's a knockoff of Lion Queen yeah. somewhere. I'm, I'm sure there's in, in a bargain basement. <laughs> it's an Australian film, you know. <laughs> I'm sure there's a got to go through the beaded curtain to rent that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lion Queen, man. Okay, let's fight, girlfriend. You know, it's, it's, it's like a it's a women's prison uh, drama from like the late '70s. Or something. And it's a and it's a it's a martial arts film too. <laughs> you have to throw that in there well it's a musical on top of that that's the yeah, remarkable oh my thing God. man talk about high notes that, 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 wow all the shower scene <laughs> oh man, man that's that's man, let me say the yell higher than freddie mercury wow <laughs> are we all writing a movie right now i think pam greer was in that she should have been uh, god i, I would have watched it then <laughs> <laughs> I would have watched that. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been at the top of my list. All right, mine's, my pick is going the other way. All right, so let's go uh, June 22nd, 1984. Uh, I, had, I diff had a difficult time with this selection because I had a juggernaut month for June of 84. The pick that I, I was originally going to choose was Gremlins, being that that was the first one I saw in the movie theater, but I ended up using it for my hot products round. But just to demonstrate the sheer magnitude of June 84, we had Star Trek 3, Search for Spock, Conan the Destroyer, Bachelor Party, and then Ghostbusters. I didn't use Ghostbusters, though, because uh, Mark just used it like a month ago. And we had Felissa Rose on for that horror episode, so I couldn't go there. I didn't want to touch on that one, but this is a huge month, and we got another movie that was big. And actually, there was a gigantic documentary. I don't have the name in front of me that made like almost $300 million from that month, which I never even heard of. I never even knew a documentary could make that much money, but apparently it was in the list there too. So it's a big month. But anyhow, this movie right here that I'm going to pick, it brought in a box office, $91 million, 1984. So that's about $225 million in 2020 off of an $8 million budget. So it's pretty much nothing. It's an entire franchise and it begins right here. 
I don't want to say anything about legs, but it, this one does have legs. Take a drink, Joe. <laughs> this It went on to have three sequels. It had a reboot, cartoon series, toy line, video games. It had a TV series most recently. And we recently had one of the villains from this the third sequel, the second sequel, if you look at it like that, as a guest judge just a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, we're talking about legs. We got legs here. Uh, the original alone, the original franchise alone, so it's four movies, that equaled out. They made about $600 million. And it had every kid in 1984 trying to crane kick their friends in the face after you watch this. And it was a movie that was inspired by Jeffrey Wantrob had saw a story on television about a kid that was getting bullied at school and learned karate. And this is the Pat Morita, Ralph Macchio classic, The Karate Kid. <laughs> Somebody get David Carradine. <laughs> Danielson, you too much YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Go learn your stuff on YouTube. Yeah, it would change the whole dynamic. Maybe you you guys might actually know this, or Michael, you might know. Maybe Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> I read rumors online that Chuck Norris was actually supposed to be John Kreese, and then he didn't want it because of the whole like sensei. He didn't want senseis being looked at in a bad light, so they ended up uh, going with Martin Cove. Is that? Does anybody know if that's what happened? That was in my research. I had heard that, but I wasn't sure. And besides, Chuck Norris was 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 still coming off of um, uh, Way of the Dragon with Bruce Lee. So, and yeah. and and even though it, it, that had been a few years earlier, he was he was still building up. And I don't know if Walker the T- Walker Texas Chuck Ranger had started yet. No, no. no. This is like right around the time of uh, Invasion USA. Well, yeah, that's like eighty five. So yeah, it's Delta like Delta right Force and Delta yep. Force and all those. That's like 85, 86 missing in action. Chuck was on fire. So, yep. so he, they probably may, were, they probably weren't able to, to, to get a hold of him. That would have been weird though, too. I can't see, yeah. I know he played a bad guy in uh, enter the dragon, but I can't see him being bad. No, else. He only lost. Yeah. He only, he was, he played a bad guy once and lost once to Bruce Lee. And he, he wasn't gonna let that happen again. It would have totally nope. altered the end of that film. Because yeah. when Martin Cove goes to punch Miyagi and he misses and he breaks the windshield window of the, the cars. Windshield. Yes. If that was Chuck Norris, yeah. Miyagi ducks, boom, car explodes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone dies. End of movie. No franchise. And then he turns, goes to punch Miyagi again, misses again, boom, other car explodes. <laughs> no, that no, that that's a Michael Bay movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Michael Bay's karate kid. It sounds like every transformers flick can you imagine that michael bay going to work every day and everything he touched blows up <laughs> and finally he gets on set and he goes action and the explosion does not happen yeah. explode <laughs> he's going damn tries to make his low budget opus and everything ends up costing 20 million <laughs> he, he, he touches it he touches the ad and the his assistant director blows up you know stuff like that <laughs> Another uh, one. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, phenomenon, though, with martial artists not wanting to portray bad guys, because that's famously, oh, yeah. uh, right. uh, even in casting Demolition Man, a lot of different pairs of people were brought in, and nobody wanted to be the bad guy, and it was all these like known, you know, it was your Seagal, your Van Dam, uh, Jackie Chan was involved in that, and nobody wanted to be bad. All of them said no. You know what? Wesley Snipes. Let's let's get. I tell you what. Let's get Wesley Snipes blonde hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'll work. 
That'll work. We'll, we'll put him opposite Sandra Bullock, <laughs> and make sure make sure all of her all, all of her costumes are half a size too small. Okay, we got Demolition Man. I actually like Demolition I did Man. Too. It could have been so much better though. Hi. Oh my God. I'm Lilina Huxley. Nice to meet you, John Spartan. Live and be well. <laughs> I still want to know how to use the three seashells. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what these shells are. I'd like to know myself. And 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 now it turns out that 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 that, that whole high five thing, it's now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, exactly. it's, oh, totally. Uh, but the three seashells, there was an instruction thing that was put out and Stallone and the director both signed off on this being the thing, ba- meaning you use two seashells to cup and scoop <laughs> and the last one for a final cleaning scrape. And then where it was placed was a self-cleansing station, apparently. And use the other side of the shell to kind of smooth stuff over. <laughs> <laughs> We need a demonstration. There's got to be a YouTube video out there. Somebody trying let, it. Let, let Gilbert Gottfried explain it. First, you take that shell and put it up your. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Mark, did you go yet? No. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> we we all forget the seventies so quickly. Yeah, I know it's tough. Sorry. All right. So for my movie selection, you know, the AFI did their one hundred movies. For 100 years list a few years back. This film came in at number 19. Just above One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The Jack Nicholson classic that I picked on a previous episode. The movie I'm picking tonight is another Jack Nicholson classic. This is the Roman Polanski movie, Chinatown. It was released June 20th, 1974. This film's screenplay is actually the, the prototype screenplay. If you go to college to learn how to write films... This is what they base everything on. They say that this is the greatest screenplay ever written. A lot of critics have said that. And you know what? I'm going to have to agree with them. The cast is phenomenal as well. Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, Diane Ladd, even director Roman Polanski himself makes a cameo in the film. It is a total throwback to film noir. And it just kind of reinvents the genre. One of the interesting things that Roman Polanski did in the film that we saw in all the other classic film noir movies is he dropped out the inner dialogue that was actually supposed to be in the original script. So the audience figures out the clues the same time the character does, totally changes the way the movie is viewed. Uh, It was made for about $6 million and grossed about $29 million. Doesn't sound like a lot, but that's 1974. Currently has an 8.2 in IMDb. It's Chinatown by Roman Polanski and Jack Nicholson. That's what I got for the movies round. All right, so let's go down to our judge, Michael Winslow, for the final ruling on this game. Well, this is a very difficult, this is, this is a really, really tough section. Uh, all, three, all three of these were excellent, excellent films. So it's, it's, it's rough for me. Now, the thing of uh, Chinatown gave me a nightmare watching it because I was a little kid. You know, my, I, I, I was a young guy, you know, watching that film because my parents used to take me to movies all the time. And I mean, when I, I remember being in, in, in the theater, seeing a James Bond movie, under, trying to understand why are they so mad at each other? So <laughs> well, that scene in Chinatown got me, man, with Jack Nicholson. He had that fedora on. He's standing yes, there. And, and, yes. and, and the nemesis guy shows up. Hey, just a secondary kitty cat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. He just, he just, he just, the dude just put on, he just sliced his nose. Yes. Damn. 
<laughs> makes you cringe every time you see it. Oh. And, and, and in fact, that's a YouTube clip. And, and it starts as all you have to do is Chinatown kitty cat. That's all you have to do is type yeah. in Chinatown. <laughs> Everybody knows. Oh, the knife in the nose scene. Yeah. Hey, just a secondary kitty cat. Oh, wow. And then, and, and, and he wouldn't shut his mouth. He kept, he kept mess with those guys. Right. Later on, they're going, well, why are we have to do that? No, 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 that's not true. It is true. Yes, it is, you big dumb okey. <laughs> <laughs> he should not have called him a big dumb okey because when he said that, the guy went, bing. And he wakes up in Faye Dunaway's apartment or the house. Wakes up. He really shouldn't call him a dumb okey. <laughs> Isn't that where we all wish we could wake up every day? Yeah, there, there's yeah. worse places you could end up. Yeah. But the, the other thing about that, other but the thing about that film, because you're right about about the screenplay, uh, being yeah. being a classic. Now they used to they used to to test people in casting offices. They used to take, uh, like like uh, like a uh, uh, Casablanca, and Chinatown, and they put different labels on them, and send it out to the casting agents to see if people were paying attention, to see if the showrunners were paying attention. And a lot of people wrote back, "What a horrible script." <laughs> Oh, oh, it's too outdated. And a couple of folks going, hey, we know what this is. How dare you? We, we were paying attention. So uh, I, I got to say, man, it, 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 I understand that Lion King had a huge box office thing. But in terms of um, uh, the genre itself, Chinatown. Wow. Because that was one of Jack Nicholson's. I mean, that 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 I mean, listen, Easy Rider was a great film, you know, yeah. with, 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 with Mr. Fonda and everything else. That, that was a groundbreaker. But this one cemented him. Yep. This is before The Shining. And by the way, The, the Shining now can be, can be considered, well, the reason why The Shining was, is, is so relevant now is just a guy trying to work at home. People keep messing with him. <laughs> I feel that every day. It's usually the dogs, though. Like, every time you're in a meeting, the dogs start fighting or, oh, God. Or, or the, cat need, the cat needs your email address. If I had a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I got I, I got to go with uh, the, the effect. Now I got to admit that China uh, that, that Lion King still has you know uh, lots of lots of spinoffs, and I know that there are traveling plays and everything else, you know. But in terms of of, of, of birth of a genre, Chinatown. Yeah, for sure. All right, duelers, you know what that means. We're tied once again. Me and Joe are tied at three apiece, so we're gonna have to go to a quick bonus wild card round. So, Joe, do you have an extra pick that you brought? I do. I'm ready to rock and roll. All right, go ahead. Okay, well, here we go. We're going to go back into the movies category, and we're going to go uh, just a little bit earlier than The Lion King. I'm going to go back to June 10th, uh, a movie that was originally written to be a Jeff Speakman vehicle that was going to be straight to video. Uh, somebody read the script had some faith in it, and actually got uh, Joss Whedon to come in and do an un uncredited rewrite of this script. And then they started to get some bodies. They started. To, they got Jan de Bont to direct. They got Keanu Reeves to star. And they got, as we've already talked about, Sandra Bullock to co-star with the wonderful Dennis Hopper as our bad guy. I'm talking about Speed. Uh, the movie did huge box office numbers. It was the number six movie of the year, made $283.2 million. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Pop quiz. Established Keanu Reeves as a lead actor. He'd been in a lot of great things uh, prior. He'd been in Dracula. He'd been in... Uh, test, uh, Bill S. Preston and Ted. Bill and Ted did. <laughs> Whoa. Those, those facts are like, cool. <laughs> 
<laughs> but there was not a lot of faith that he was going to be able to carry a movie like this. And uh, the and the movie came through. I uh, the story was that the uh, a lot of the sequences for this movie uh, came up uh, when Jan de Bont was the cinematographer for Die Hard. And they were thinking uh, that initial elevator scene at the beginning was actually conceived then. They just didn't have a movie to attach it to at the time. And so, yeah, it was a gigantic movie and it took a lot of people who were not very big, who were not very big at the time and eventually became giant superstars. So speed. Wow. Great trivia. Great data. All right, we're going to go back to the music round. And I have an album that was released June 27th, 1974. Oddly enough, by the Grateful Dead. This is From the Mars Hotel. This is the album that gave us the iconic songs U.S. Blues, China Doll, Loose Lucy, and of course, Scarlet Begonias, one of the band's most popular songs. It's one of those albums in 1974, The Dead was just on a roll. They were really creatively, they had just come out with an album in the wake of the flood about a year before, and they followed up immediately with this album. And the Grateful Dead's albums always didn't sell the greatest, but it was the songs and the lasting longevity of the songs on those albums. A lot of those songs that I just mentioned remained in their repertoire for the rest of the band's runs. So that's what I got released June 27th, 1974 from the Mars Hotel by the Grateful Dead. Well, I will get by. (laughs) All right, so let's go down to Michael Winslow to see who wins this game. Oh, this is so difficult because I'm a deadhead fan, y'all. Uh, I'm I'm a fan. Um, this this is this is real hard um, because well, right now uh, parallels of Sandra Bullock is is bigger than ever, bigger bigger than ever now. She's she's like making a big comeback, bigger. I mean, I mean, she never like never left. I mean. When you think about the space movie she made with George Clooney, so she's there. Yep. And then Keanu is, is back in the Matrix. They're shooting the Matrix 4 in San Francisco right now. So, wow. wow. Yeah, and, and it's going to be good because I understand that they, they, they decided to, to shoot six extra weeks. So for also they're doing reshoots and whatnot. So it's, it's getting ready to take back over again. Something tells me that the Matrix 4 is going to be back nice. with a passion, but, but the Grateful Dead. I mean, when, when I think about all the other spinoff groups from Fish to everything else and everyone else who listened to them from Beck to everybody else who listened right. <laughs> to Fish and Grateful Dead. And, and I remember I was in Australia when, when Garcia passed away and because he, they were planning to go to Australia. The, the dead were planning to go to Australia. Now, if that had happened, if he had lived, they would have never come back. You think? You think they would have stayed I th- in I, Australia? I, I, think the, I think because they, they would have fallen in love with the place and they would have stayed. That, and everyone would have would have would have would have got all the entire deadhead caravan would have gotten on 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 on, uh, on steamships or whatever, and they would have gone. <laughs> Sold. They would have followed them. I'm ready to go now. Everybody would would have immigrated to Australia to stick with the dead. That's what that's what would have happened, man. And I remember all the dead fans in Australia were completely bent out of shape when when he died. Yeah. When he died, the country it was it was it was like a, a national day of mourning. Yeah, I remember that day vividly. Wow, and and the dead. Uh, this is this is. T- it's a. God, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to declare a tie, but damn. Uh, um, uh, it's two genres you gotta like mix together. These are two different. These are two different genres. Both both should win. In, both both should should win and stand on their own. Yeah. Um, God, this is difficult. It's like comparing apples and dogs. <laughs> uh, yeah. Never would you think you'd be comparing the Grateful Dead and Keanu Reeves together. 
Yeah. <laughs> you can't. Though I have to admit that Keanu Reeves uh, did play uh, in Bill and Ted's. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, there you go. Yep. So that was their market. <laughs> so Bill and Ted. <laughs> and remember George. Remember George Carlin was 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 in Bill and Ted's. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Rufus. So got to go with. Uh, and I've been in your exact position before. Oh, it's, it's the worst. Well. Let, let, let's just let's just say it, it's, it's a it's a difference of, it's, a, it's a difference of one 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 hundred thousandth of a yeah. point. Um, uh, it, it, it's like it's like Adam Lambert, you know, still being a superstar even if he didn't win American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> he still got to sing with Queen. Yeah, it's you true. see what I mean? Yeah. You see true. what I'm talking about? Yeah. That, that's why I'm gonna go with uh, Keanu Reeves because because uh, every single one of the folks that are in that movie still have they still have a story to tell. Yep. And if the dead ever decides to to, uh, to 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 resurrect themselves and maybe get get get, get offspring of, of the original members to, to play, you know, like like Jason Bonham, that kind of thing, uh, I, I would I would if if they had come out with something recent now, I would go for the dead. But right now, Matrix is happening again because because of the relevant the relevance of 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 of, of time and history. Yeah. Hey, if concerts ever get back and going. You should go check out Dead and Company. Now it's all the original members with Hotel Burbridge and John Mayer. Amazing show. Really, John wow. Mayer. All right, Joe Finley. <sighs> you know what that means. You picked up the win in this one. Feels good. It feels real good. I had that just made it feel Man, that, that means better. that that's four that's four losses in a row. For you? Yeah, I'm on a. I think it's either three or four. I'm on a streak, man. Oh. Wow, this is the first time ever. Is that why you brought me back? Because you've been you've been wiping the floor with me lately. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, it feels really good, it's guys. Been bad. Not gonna lie, Michael. Before you get out of here, uh, we did have some fan questions from our Facebook. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll throw. I could throw a couple of them at you. Sure. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Cool. Let's see. Michael Charles Williams. He says. What started you on the path to sound mimicry? And also tell him that the internet clips he does of Led Zeppelin are awesomeness incarnate. Oh, well, tell him thank you very much. Bless your heart, young man. Um, what got me into doing this? Well, watching the old TV shows. Because as a kid, I watched a lot of uh, everything. I, I, I used to watch, um, um, hate to say this, but the Adam West Batman when I was a kid. Yeah, yep. Because, yeah, because, because every camera angle, whenever there was a criminal, Oh, they had the Dutch tilt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and, and yeah, man, and, and and then the monkeys came on, and then and then Star Trek came on. My brother used to make me watch Star Trek because I want to watch the monkeys, but back then you couldn't. You you, you had to choose one or the other because that, that you had to wait a damn week for the next show to come around. Yeah. So I got yep. I, my my brother forced me to watch Star Trek. So to get him back, I learned all the noises. <laughs> You never mess with me again, man. But 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 watching all those TV shows, you know, had a big effect on me. The pop the popular TV shows. I don't care if it was Copycats with Frank Gorshin and and Arthur Godfrey. You know, there was there there was the Batman TV show, and then the Green Hornet used to used to used to crash Batman's set on their way someplace else with Bruce Lee. And then then there were TV, and then then there was a show uh, that came on before Lost, uh, uh, before Lost even was a concept in the '60s called The New People, which was. Uh, a, 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 a DC three with, 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 with a, like 130 college kids crashes on an Island and they have to survive. Oh, wow. It, oh, I never wow. even heard of that. It shit. was called the new people. Mm. Uh-huh. We'll go check that one out. And, and also, also gr- growing up watching them shows. I remember, uh, I, I know it didn't make no noise, but Jack, but, but, uh, but Jack Lord's hair in Hawaii five Oh, his hair was talking. 
<laughs> what would it sound like? <laughs> you know, uh, and 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 there, there were the man there, uh, uh, Lee Majors had the six million dollar man. You know, <laughs> Steve, don't jump over that truck, Steve. <laughs> I move so damn so I get in the car and beat your ass. So, <laughs> I mean, there were so many, there were there were so many shows, but 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 for, but for me, it was it was listening to the soundtracks of the shows because we had Cheech and Chong records back then. Yes, and before that, yeah. the Fire Sign Theater. I think that's how I got introduced to you, Michael Winslow. It was even before the Police Academy stuff was seeing you in Nice Dreams. With Cheech and Chong. Yep. Yeah, man, do you remember that, man? It was forever, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I'm really glad you guys saw our movie, man. Yeah, it was really cool, man. Yeah. Hey, man, I'll still have bye-bye. I got a second question here from uh, Thomas Combs. He said, uh, did you audition for the Jones character on the Police Academy animated series? They wrote me into the picture. Originally, uh, I wasn't in the original screenplay written by Neil Israel and Pat Proft. So Hugh Wilson uh, wrote me into the picture because they saw me at a Cheech and Chong film festival. Because <laughs> I'd shown up in two of the movies and just made, made stuff crazy. So they went, to, they, they went to see one of my live shows and I was opening for Count Basie and his orchestra making jazz fusion noises. And they wrote me into the picture. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's great. Uh, This one, you probably, let's see, uh, Edmund Lugo. He says, uh, just see if he remembers me from from booking him to play a show at Oneonta in 1998. (laughs) He said I was his host. You mean from (laughs) (laughs) 19s? I do. Oneonta, that's a great school. Yeah. I actually, he's my barber. So that shout out to Edmund for throwing that question in there. Oneonta and 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 sunny New York too. What's up, guys? What's up, kids? <laughs> Last one I got here. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones, but I, I know you gotta get out of here. It says, uh, "What was it like to be in a movie with Mel Brooks and Rick Moranis? And is Rick as nice as everyone says he is?" Yes. <laughs> it takes balls to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what you guys were cheering for because I didn't see his window and I'm seeing it and I'm the happiest person in the world. Because you're a space ball. <laughs> yeah, man. Actually, 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 this is an actual uh, Harley Davidson Bell helmet. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that we that we uh, we uh, we thanks to Insurance King for doing this for me. But yeah, I, I got my I got my balls. <laughs> That's amazing. that thing is awesome. Uh, you should wear that to go food shopping with a mask or wear, wear, ride a motorcycle. Officer, what direction the bleeps and the sweeps? <laughs> <laughs> he wants to know if uh, Rick Moranis is as nice as everybody says. He uh, is. Yes. One of the nicest folks I ever met was is Rick Moranis. Um, a very concise, knows what he wants. You know, a professional actor, professional all the way. When we were on the set of Spaceballs, um, he was tr- he was in the process of getting his DGA certification. So he actually helped Mel. Uh, he was like the assistant director in, in, in unofficially. So to get his DGA certification, he and Mel worked together. Wow. that's And, and cool. as a result, you know, and when his wife passed away, I don't blame him. You know, there's it, it, yeah. too much stress and too much yeah. abuse uh. to put up with that when you have when you have two kids to raise. Oh, right. I miss him like crazy, yourself, but I yeah. respected the decision. So oh, he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna come back. It's just that he's, you all got to give him something good, you know, in the first place. I've still got my Bob and for Doug sure. McKenzie vinyl, so I'll, I'll be okay for now. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna be just fine, eh? Don't be a hoser, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh hell yeah, oh yeah. yeah. 
as as the hoser of the group i can say that oh yeah you're oh yeah oh, oh that's right you are all you are a canadian aren't you eh? yeah. joe but where's your toque what i don't I, know i got the opposite i got sunburn going on right now oh yeah you look good man you got color yeah. i don't i don't know nothing about that man <laughs> do you michael do you have anything else you want to plug on your way out you like your social media or uh, well i just, I just would like up? for folks to go ahead and, and go to my uh, michael winslow tv on youtube because we just revamped it and we, we just we just did a bunch of new things with the uh, uh beatbox championships you know I'm, I'm i'm doing reaction videos for those uh, i have some new things coming up in the next couple of weeks i just joined the twitch uh universe so nice. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make video game noises and disrupt everyone's game. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you bring that up because all right, so I had mentioned that I had got introduced to you through the Cheech and Chong films. Well, right after that, shortly after I saw Police Academy, I don't know why this is stuck in my brain all of these years, but every time the name Michael Winslow comes up, I think of this. I have a vivid memory of going to the mall, going into a radio shack, and then there on the display rack, they had all the computer software and floppy disks. And there was a uh, a floppy disk set called Mr. Sound so, FX featuring Michael yes, Winslow. Yes, Mr. Sound FX. I remember this was the greatest thing ever, and I never had the money to buy it. I went back a couple of weeks later. It was gone. Aww. But, yeah, that that was something that I always wanted as a kid was the uh, oh. Mr. Sound Effects uh, floppy disks. I think uh, uh, ProSonus, I think they may have it. Yep. It, it, hey, as long as you have a Windows 3.1 machine, it should still work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it would still work along, along with, with the early, early hybrid uh, 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 Roger Rabbit game. And copies. Also. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, copies it because all that stuff came at the same time, and to, and to load the Roger Rabbit game took twelve minutes. Oh my god! <laughs> you don't lie. Because you're not lying. Don't, don't forget Atari. Remember, you had the Atari, the Atari computers. Those were the days. The Atari computer, and and, and then then there was the Commodore sixty four. Yo, yep, that's what I had. I had the. Yep. We actually had the one twenty eight, so we got both modes. Oh, but you nice. never used one twenty eight because well, there was nothing. Everything was made for sixty four. It's okay. I still got a. I still I still got a video toaster. <laughs> Hell yeah! I still, I still got video a video toaster. Was great back in the day. We had a Commodore sixty four too, and it drove me nuts, man. <laughs> You'd spend three hours typing stuff out from a book only to hit run and find out you have a syntax error. Syntax and then you have error. to <laughs> you have to go back and reread everything and read uh, on line nine hundred and eighty. And then pay the syntax and start over. <laughs> yeah. After four hours of typing the code out, your parents are like, So what does it do? Oh, it just spells my name across the screen in colors. Like, wow, three hours oh. of typing for well, that? Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yes, Mom. Well, I've never seen my name in writing from red to blue before. So, yeah, it was worth yeah. it. It's good stuff. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. Well, thank you, Michael Winslow. You've been an excellent guest judge here on thank the show. You. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, you gave Joe a win and he hasn't won in forever. So. I know. I've... <laughs> I, I, I needed this. I, I, I'm, I'm a needy fellow, and but to receive it from you as well was just such a treat. Well, I, I thank you all very much, man. appreciate that. And just, just make sure you practice your noises. That's make sure you practice your noises, y'all. It's important. Very important. <laughs> I try. I only have the fart noise down. <laughs> all right, Duelers. Well, we'll end this episode right here. Once again, I want to thank our special guest judge, Michael Winslow, for coming in and being the judge on this episode. But if you've missed an episode, don't worry. You can always head back and go to DuelingDecades.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, wherever podcasts are available. But in the meantime, head on over to Facebook.com forward slash Dueling Decades 
where you can join our private group and share some of your very own retro memories. So until next time, duelers, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone. Hello. You may now end your transmission. Thank you. Infirmary Media.